Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace. Strengthening the Saints Against Islam's Assault on North America. Well, we're going to pick up on where we left off yesterday. We're talking about how to overcome Muslims in our debate with them by using the position of authority, to speak from a position of authority. This is something that Jesus dealt with when he was here on earth. In Mark chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible tells us, For he taught them as one that had authority. In Matthew chapter 21, those who heard Jesus, they inquired, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? This issue of authority is extremely important and also helpful for us in our discussions with Muslims as we try to share with them our faith or we get into debates or um, issues like that. And I'm going to share with you something that will be extremely helpful, something out of the Quran, actually, in today's broadcast. It's a verse out of the Quran that I highly recommend. If you only learn one verse and memorize one verse out of the Quran, this would be the verse. This probably is the verse I turn to the most when I am discussing my faith with Muslims. And you'll understand why here in a moment. So we're talking about speaking from a position of authority. Now, uh, let me kind of add a a new little uh, wrinkle to this area of authority. When we're speaking by authority, we're talking about the authority of God's word. Um, It doesn't matter what I believe, but it does matter what God says. You know, there's an old saying out there, well, if the Bible says it, and if I believe it, that settles it. You may have heard of that expression before. I grew up hearing that. If the Bible says it, and if I believe it, that settles it. Then someone came along and said, no, actually, that's not a correct position. If the Bible says it, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. If God said it, if the Bible says it, that settles it. And that's absolutely right. The position isn't what I believe that that's true. I could be wrong. I could be wrong in my interpretation of what I read. I could uh, be um, unaware of other passages of the Bible that might lead me to a different position. So it's not really what I believe or the position that I hold. What is important is what God has said and his whole counsel of what he said in the whole. So uh, it's not important what a commentator may uh, say that the Bible says. Or if you are in the Islamic world, you would say it's not important what the tasfir has said, what the Quran says, or what an imam has said, or what the mosque says, or what uh, my denominational sect says. That really doesn't matter. What doesn't what does matter is what God has said. Now, from a Muslim point of view, naturally, they're going to think that the scriptures are going to be the Quran, but they also acknowledge that their God, Allah was also the author of the Bible. 
that he gave his revelation to the God of Moses. Uh, He gave his revelation to Moses. He gave his revelation to Abraham. He called Abraham and made a covenant with him uh, that uh, their God, Allah, is the same God who uh, had Jesus as a prophet and, and, and so on there. This is the, the a Muslim, uh, the, most Muslims would understand that and believe that. I ask Muslims this question because I want to get, I want to establish authority with them. And I ask them, uh, do you believe that, um, that the God of Abraham and the God of Moses is the one true living God? And they'll tell me, yes. I believe that. And then I'd ask this question. Would you have a problem if the God of Muhammad was different from the God of Abraham or the God of Moses? Would that uh, be a problem for you if they turn out to be different gods? And they say, well, no, they are the same God. Uh, there's nothing different. The God of Abraham is the same as the God of Muhammad. And so I said, well, you know, I I disagree with you there, but can we both agree that, that that we can say that the God of Abraham and the God of Moses is the one true living God? And they would agree with that. Now, what I've done is I've established an authority as to, uh, who is, truly the paramount final word in all things. What did the God of Abraham say? And so when I pray, I'm praying to the God of Abraham. I'm praying to the God of Moses. And, uh, and, and now a Muslim will not have a problem with that. He thinks that his God, Allah, is the God of Abraham and the God of Moses. Well, it isn't because uh, Muhammad's God had no son. Muhammad's God um, can change. He is capricious. He can change his mind. He can change. Muhammad's God um, can lie. He can deceive. It is morally acceptable for Muhammad's God to do these things. Well, Abraham's God, Moses' God, uh, is immutable. He cannot change. His promises yesterday are the same as today and forever. Abraham's God um, is a triune God. Abraham's God has a son. And, uh, and so there's a, there's a difference clearly between these gods. And now I don't get into that issue or that argument, but, uh, at that point usually, but, uh, but we want to establish an authority and I want to establish also something with them that it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter even how I believe God's word says, what is important is what God's word says. And, uh, and I actually take them to a passage in the Quran. And here's that verse I was telling you about earlier. It's found in chapter 5, verse 68. And again, if there's ever a verse in the Quran that you should be familiar with and memorize and quote, this would be extremely helpful. Because what it does is it, it establishes authority. Let me read the verse to you. It's Surah 5, 68. Say, O ye people of the book, now, this is an expression in the Quran that's given many, many, many times. One of these days, I'll count them up. They don't have software 
in the Islamic world for you, like we do in the Bible, where you can, you know, type out a word and see how many times and all the references that it's found there. Uh, Islam doesn't allow or encourage the Muslim to study uh, their scriptures. Uh, they, they keep that with the professional clergy. The professional, and they say, well, you can only read it in the Arabic, right? And, uh, well, only the imams speak Arabic. Only 15% of the Muslims in the world are actually Arabs. And so the average Muslim will go, if he goes, to uh, the mosque on Friday, and they hear prayers in a language they don't understand. They hear verses read out of the Quran in Arabic, which they don't understand. And then they have to trust the professional clergy to tell them what it means and to do that accurately. So the average Muslim gets everything that they know about Allah's word is all hearsay. It's all translated by the imam, and they don't know how accurate that is or whatever. Of course, they're never allowed to question it. So they're not encouraged to study. So these aids aren't there. So one of these days I'm going to have to physically count how many times old people of the book, the al-Aqatab is actually found in the Quran. But what does that mean, the people of the book? Well, first of all, what book? The book is the Bible. So the people of the book, the Jews and Christians. So this message is given out many, many times in the Quran. You'll be surprised how many times the Quran speaks to us Christians. O people of the book, ye have no ground to stand upon unless ye stand fast by the law, the gospel, and all the revelation that has come to you from your Lord. Let me read that again because this uh, just consider the consequences of this. O people of the book, ye have no ground to stand upon unless you stand fast by the law, the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, the gospel, which is what they call the Angel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the revelation that has come to you from your Lord. What does that mean? Now, that means, uh, I, I tell my Muslim friend this, I've got to tell you, this is one verse in the Quran I absolutely 100% agree with, that I as a Christian have no doctrine to preach or to teach unless it comes from the Bible, from all the revelation that has come to us from our Lord. This is what the Quran tells me to do. And so therefore, I must speak from the authority of God's word. And when you establish that as God's authority, and that even the Quran tells you to take that position, it puts you in the high ground here. If you're ever going to be in a battle or so, that you want to pick the ground that you're going to fight from. Well, the Quran actually puts us Christians in a great position. Using their scripture, it puts me in a position that I can only speak from God's word, and that's exactly where I want to speak from. Because God's word, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. The Bible tells us that uh, so faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. We want to get them into the Word so that they can get saving faith to hear it. And when they hear God's Word explained and talked about and let God's Word preach itself, it is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful. By the way, that word quick, that doesn't mean that it's fast. That's an old word that we don't really interpret the same way, uh, use the same way very much there, but it means that it's alive. We do use the word when you're cutting a nail, you know, you cut the quick there. Uh, that hurts, doesn't it, right? Well, you cut something that's alive there. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
We're told that the word of God is that sword of the spirit in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And we're told in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, that our weapons for our warfare, that it's not carnal things, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are we using that pulls down strongholds? And Islam has a stronghold on Muslims. What can pull these strongholds down? The word of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Folks, it's a spiritual battle that you're in, and we must carry the sword of the Spirit to minister to this battle, to this engagement that we're in. And Jeremiah 22 tells us that, uh, that God's Word is like a fire, that it's like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. And the heart of a Muslim, uh, the Bible says when you cast the seed, remember the parable of the seed of the sower, you cast the seed, it falls on four different types of ground. Sometimes it's hard ground, stony ground, thorny ground. Uh, But when it falls into good ground, it bringeth forth fruit. Well, the heart of a Muslim, his ground has been poisoned and hardened by Islam and its false doctrines and all these things. So you're going to have to do some weeding in the garden. I believe the parable of the sower uh, tells us as soul winners that we have to prepare the ground. We have to break it up. We have to remove the rocks. We have to remove uh, the thorny ground because the seed doesn't grow in that ground. You've got to get it into the good ground. Well, you've got to remove the objects that are keeping it from being good ground. And so when you're dealing with Muslims, be patient, pray for them, and let the Word of God have its power. And when you read God's Word with them, don't tell them what it means. That's our big mistake. Ask them, what do you think it means? Let the Holy Spirit, let the power of God's Word do its work. That's true when you're dealing with anybody with God's Word. Let God's Word speak for itself, folks. It is powerful, and it can change lives. That's it for today. Join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.